your devices, you'll find Kesed Church on there. And we're, um, we're doing a, a series at the moment, it's going to be four messages, this is message three, called, called Turn Up the Volume. And uh, the whole concept of that is that what in your life, if someone was to talk about you, what is the loudest thing coming out of your life that say that's who you are? Because the reality is you get to choose. We can drift along in life and be this person who pleases everyone. And when someone says, oh, what do you stand for? Or what's the thing that I remember when I think of you? Would it be what you hoped it would be? Or do you take your life by the scruff of the neck and say, this is what I want to be about. When people think of me, the loudest noise coming out of my life, I want to be this. And so we're looking at that. And for all of us, it'll be, there'll be some same things and there'll be some different things. And there'll be more than one noise. But what are the loudest things? We looked at what are the loudest things coming into your life. Because no doubt the loudest things coming into your life are affecting your thinking, are affecting your decision making, and so they are affecting what's coming out of your life. And so we've been on this bit of a journey. This is session three, and I'm calling this Turn Up the Volume 3 about that dad thing. And I'll leave that hanging for a second. It interests me when we do counselling. It interests me when you go to a professional counsellor. We all know the system. What are they going to ask about first? What happened to you in your childhood? They always start there. And on the one level, you think, oh, really? We've got to do that, have we? But there's a reason for that, because what happened here so often is carried through here and affecting what's here. And there are people in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and even 80s and beyond who are still dealing with things that happened here, and it's affecting them there. So that's why counsellors go there. And I think it's biblically true, too, and we're going to look at some of that stuff. And so the idea is, what are the successes in your life because of your childhood? What are the struggles and failures in your life because of childhood? And there will be some. But in particular, with your father, there is something, and I believe it's a God-given thing because he's our heavenly father that we are supposed to replicate on earth in fatherhood. And so dads play this really important role in terms of provision and teaching and encouragement and discipline and love, which is supposed to replicate the father's love. But how many know that our dads wrestle with their own issues? And I'm sure many dads look back and go, I could have done it better. I'm, I'm sure you might look at your dad and go, oh, that, that was really tough. And this isn't to beat up any dad because the reality is I wonder what your dad was dealing with in his childhood, which has modelled his fatherhood. I wonder what your dad was dealing with with his own issues and the pressures of his life. And I wonder what was going on then for them. And we can look back and go, oh, this, that and the other. And it's not to beat up dad because everyone had their wrestles. But the, what I want to get to is how is it affecting you? And could God step in in a moment and shift your world so that you're the one that breaks the cycle? How about we could be the people that get free of some stuff and then move on so that your children don't wrestle with stuff that you had to wrestle with? And it's never too late in God. Never too late. You might be sitting here as an older person looking back and going, I could have been different. It's never too late for God to restore what happened then. So let's already get some faith in the room. I think the pressures that dads have been under over the years have unfortunately hindered people, hindering, hindered men from being a consistent source of love. And as young people, particularly children, they need that consistent source of love. And if you don't have it, you go off on all kinds of tangents and where does it take you? And so what happens here is it's reflecting something of how we see dad. 
And then you come into a church environment, a faith environment, and we use language about our Heavenly Father. And the trouble is we're struggling to connect with Heavenly Father because we have an earthly filter based on our own Father. And so when I say Heavenly Father, already whether you realize it or not, you're looking through the filter of your own Father and it's stopping people or hindering people at least from connecting with Heavenly Father because of their own filter. Do you see what's happening? That's why this is important. Because when you can connect with Heavenly Father, it changes everything. And we can believe in him, and we can have faith in him, and we can say the right thing. But if the connection isn't strong, it's hindering something. And I want to be leading a bunch of people that have that connection that says, yes, I know. I know my Heavenly Father. Amen? Turn to two people and say, let's get to know him. So we're talking about that dad thing. I, I have the privilege of being a dad. You know, lots of you will know my children. I have Josh, who's 13, and Evie, who's 9. And you know what? As dad, I'd do anything for them. If it was in my capability, I would do it. If you're a dad in the room, can you wave if you agree with that sentiment? If your children needed something or you could do something for them, you would just do it because you love them. And you're like, oh, I can't even describe it. I love them so much. And I hope that kind of dad for my children setting them up to win. But the responsibility and the feelings and the tug on the heartstrings, it's a lot for a guy to carry. And it's difficult. I want to protect them. And we've set some practical things in line. Um, Josh growing up, he's, he wants to go out and hang out with his mates. And who knows that 12 and 13 and 14-year-old lads are a bunch of tearaways often. And, but I don't want Josh to be the little geeky, weird sort of Christian guy who can't do stuff. That, if you know Josh, that's just not who he is. He hangs around with the cool guys. But the trouble is, who knows the cool guys want to get in trouble? And I don't want to say to him, oh, you can't go with them, you can't go with them. Because he wants to go with them. So what we have done is we've had a little chat and we said, how can I help you get out of a situation when you feel uncomfortable that isn't going to make you look like some dweeb? Because you don't want your 13-year-old boy looking like a dweeb, do you? you just, that's, that's just not good parenting. And so he's hanging out with the lads and um, they had decided in their wisdom that they were going to break into the old Odeon, which is just next door to us. You know the building? It's become a popular thing, apparently. Everyone tries to break in there, and in their wisdom, they were going to do that. Obviously, that's not cool. And Josh is like, oh, what do I do with this? Oh, no. He wants to say no, but they're doing it, and he, he doesn't want to be the one that's, you know, but inside he's having this wrestle. But we've got a little system. And all you parents out there who are going to bring up, this is a great system. It's called Text X. Have you heard of it? So all Josh has to do is send me a text with X in it. Nothing else, just X. That is prompt for Super Dad to step in. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. When I get a text X, I phone Josh, and all he says is, Hi, Dad, and his friends can hear it. And I say, Josh, something's happened at home, bit of an emergency. I've got to come and get you. I'll explain when I get there. And he says, Oh, sorry, guys, my dad's called me. He's got to come and get me. Something's happened at home. He looks cool. He hasn't had to say no. Super Dad comes in, whisks him away, and it's like, Everyone's a winner. That is good parenting. Because text X, hold it in your locker, people. Love that one. I've got a young girl. Give me a wave, parents, if you've got girls. Yeah. Who knows? There's always this joke about when the girl's going to start dating. Evie's nine, so I'm hoping I've got a few years left. Sarah said she's not allowed to go on a date till she's 25. So, but the day's going to come. And we have all the jokes, don't we, about they're going to knock on the door and I'm going to be stood there with a machine gun. 
What is your intentions with my daughter, son? <laughs> but this is better parenting. Isn't it better parenting that Evie knows who she is? Isn't it better parenting that she knows her value? Isn't it better parenting that she sees modelled in her own house what a, what a father looks like, what a man looks like? Isn't it better parenting that she looks at her dad and how he relates to her mum and sees how a man should treat a woman? And so that when someone comes into her life, she is not going to be bamboozled or swept off her feet by some buffoon. Because there's a whole bunch of players out there, and we know it. And I can just imagine the picture now, Sam Smoothie coming into Evie's life, like, hey, baby. <laughs> I used to be that man, I think. <laughs> hey, baby. You're so beautiful. And all the other girls are like, oh, he called me beautiful. <laughs> and I can just imagine Evie saying, yeah, I know. <laughs> and? Because I want her to be swept off her feet, and I want her to feel beautiful, but I want that to be by someone who's got substance. And I believe it, the way that I'm bringing her up isn't that I need to be there with a shotgun. It's that I'm instilling something in her as dad now that later on is going to set her up to win. And so she'll make wise choices. But that's happening now. All you dads out there, come on, let's be great parents. In fact, I want all the dads in the room stand up. I want to pray for you right now. Let's do it. If you're a dad... Oh, Jermaine, you can stand up. You're an expectant dad. Yeah, yeah, come on. Yeah, let's give them all a round of applause. Come on. Let's stretch out to them. Father God, thank you for these brilliant, brilliant men. Thank you for the gift of fatherhood. Thank you for the gift of children. Lord, I pray that from this moment forward, there'll be a fresh anointing on their fatherhood, Lord God. Whether there's been mistakes in the past or not, Lord God, I pray you'd cover them. I pray this would be a new day in fatherhood, Lord God, for these men, Jesus. That they'd communicate their heart. That they'd cheer their children on, young or old, Lord God. And that today would be a new day for them. And all God's people said, thank you guys, you're awesome. See, my, my children love to spend time with me because I've got some wisdom. I've been through some stuff. I've made some mistakes. And so when they chat to me, they'll ask me different questions, and, and they love it. And what I'm doing is saying, well, you could do it this way. I don't try to dictate who they are and what they're going to do. I get them to wrestle with some stuff, and they love it because they feel esteemed. And after a conversation with me, they feel like, oh, yeah, I'm going to have a good life. And that's the kind of dad I want to be, that my children love to spend time with me. But then there's this whole idea of discipline. And that's just hard work, isn't it? Josh is, and you've seen him drum, he's a really gifted drummer. Who knows to get that good, you've got to practice and you've got to put the hours in. But who, do you know, who knows that Josh has also got an Xbox? <laughs> and it's like, you know, how many hours this week are you going to do the drums, Josh? And how many hours are you going to do Xbox? And he says the right thing, and halfway through the week, I went, what's the ratio looking like now, Josh? But I have to be on it, and on it, and on it. And it's not because I want to keep telling him off, it's because I want him to win. And it's his dream, if you ever find yourself praying for him, that his dream that he wants to be a session drummer. You know, all these pop artists out there, solo singers, who does the drumming? Well, it's going to be Josh one day. And wouldn't it be cool to have a young, Christian, vibrant man in that world? So I'm cheering him on with that. But right now, discipline, discipline, discipline. Not because I want to tell him off, but because I want him to win. Who knows he loves doing his maths homework? <coughs> it's his favourite thing. 
I think I might need to pull some of your students in to help me now, because he's, he's only in year nine or whatever, and the maths, the maths is already getting hard, isn't it? What's going on there? <laughs> but I hope in all of this, and it's good we can laugh about it, but I hope in all of this I'm modelling something of what Father looks like. And we need to get that. And the, one of the greatest father messages I feel in, in the Bible is the prodigal son. And we always look at that through the eyes of the son. But I think it was a greater teaching on what the father was going through. Most of you, you know, even if you're not familiar with church, will probably know the prodigal son story. And there's two sons and the dad's wealthy and got property and one's out working the land and getting on with his business. And the other one, who's a bit younger, says, oh, I just want my inheritance now. And his dad, because he's loving and not going to dictate to him, says, okay, you sure that's what you want? Yeah, that's what I want. I'm going to go and make my fortune and have my life. Yeah, so he gives him his inheritance. He goes off and blows the lot because he's got no wisdom in his life. But his dad loved him enough to say, I'll let you choose. And he went and squandered it. But then he comes to this place when he's living with the pigs and, he, and he's eating the pig's food and he's got no friends and he reflects and thinks, even my dad's servants are better off than this. I'm going to go back and eat some humble pie. I believe even that must have been put in him somewhere, the fact that he could even consider that. So dad's done a decent job. And he comes back. And this is what we find in Luke 15, 20 and 22. He says this. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still along the way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick! Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And so often we will look at that story through the eyes of the son. But for a moment, let's look at it through the eyes of the father. You see, the father has sent him away with what was probably a small fortune. And now he can't see him. Is he alive? Is he messing his life up? Is he wounded? Is he okay? What's dad thinking? Because I know this, if either of my children go off somewhere and I'm not that sure about the whole idea, I'm going to be thinking about it every minute of every day. And there's dad, and in my mind, I've got this picture of him sitting on the edge every night on the outside of his, his probably mansion and looking out over the hills thinking, is he coming back today? Where is he? I just hope he's coming back. I love him. I hope he's all right. And then one day, he sees him. And the son is coming back to eat humble pie. The son is coming back to go, I've, I've messed it up. I'm not even worthy. I'm so sorry. But the dad is like, he's back. And he runs to him. I don't know how old he was, but he's legging it. And he gets there. And I love what it says here. The son said to him, I've sinned against heaven and against you. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. The dad doesn't even give that a second thought. What's his word? His word isn't, well, yes, son, you did, to be fair. You stuffed that right up. What an idiot. He doesn't say that. He says this. But the father says to his servants, quick, load him up with stuff. The father isn't even interested in the mistakes. The father's interested in the fact that he's home, we're connected, and I can take care of you. I'll provide for you. I'll give you authority by putting a ring on your finger. I'll put sandals on your feet because you'll never be a servant in my house. We're family. The father has just realized his son has come home. And we look at it through the eyes of the son. But what's going on in the father? And then you have this situation where the older brother who's out working in the fields 
He's watching what's happening, and he gets the right hump. Well, you're throwing a party for him. I've been working my socks off out here, and you're just throwing a party for him. He went and ruined it all. And what does the father say to him in Luke 15, verses 31 and 32? My son, the father said, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. You see, it interests me this. You had two sons with the same father in the same home. And one of them said, I don't want to be here. I'm going to go out and find home somewhere else. And he left. And you've got the other son who's got his father's home, but he's working. And so really, neither of them have found a home. They've both found a house. And so one's away from the house, trying to look elsewhere, because he hadn't found a home. And one was in the house, working, but didn't feel at home. And do you know what the key factor is in home? The key factor is to know the father's heart. You see, the son went off and messed it all up because he didn't know his father's heart. But when he came back and was saying, sorry, his father showed his heart. I don't care about your stuff. Just come and be here. I'll love you. I'll protect you. I'll provide for you. I'll give you authority. This is great that you're back. There's the father's heart. Now the son can feel at home. But the other son stayed at home but didn't feel at home. He was working. He was doing some stuff because he didn't know the father's heart. And the father's heart all along was, everything I've got is yours. Did you not grasp that? It's all yours. This is home. But he didn't feel home. He felt he was in the house because of a lack of connection with the father. The key in all of this is knowing the father's heart. And for me, it begins to beg a whole bunch of questions around church. You know, one name we use for church is Bethel. Anyone familiar with the word Bethel? Biblically, Beth means house. And El means God. So Beth El is house of God. It came out when um, he was dreaming and and, uh, Jacob was dreaming and he put his head on a rock and a stairway came from heaven and angels were going up and down. It's where heaven touched earth. He went, wow, heaven touches earth here. This must be the house of God, Beth El. That's where Bethel comes from. So all those great churches out there called Bethel, that's why. But then you have Bethlehem, house of bread. You have Bethsaida, house of fish. You have Bethany, house of dates. So Beth is always house. So Bethel, house of God. But here's the thing. How many of us are in church treating it like a house? Because we haven't found a home. How many of us are actually the older son? I come to church every week and I'm serving, I'm working, I'm putting the chairs out, I'm doing the coffees and I'm driving the bus and I'm putting a smile on my face to greet people. (laughs) I'm serving the Lord. I'm serving Dad. I'm in the house. But the reality is, it's not home. Because if we had a connection with the Father, it wouldn't even be serving at all. It would be an honor that my dad loves me and everything he has is mine and so when I come to the house of God it's not just a house it's my home and I treat it like a home see none of you guys will see it but um, when you all get up out of your seats if you take care to look back all the seats are higgledy piggledy wiggledy and all over the gaff because we haven't got them stuck to the floor every week I come in and I straighten them out do you know what? I do that not because I'm some OCD weirdo who's got to have straight stairs although I'm sure some people think that when I see it 
but this is my home. And when you come to my home, it's going to be tidy. It's going to be presentable. And I want you to walk into the house of God and say, this is like home. And details make a difference. And I don't do that because I have to, because I'm serving the Lord. I do that because I love him. And when you come into God's house, I want you to have the best experience. Round of applause for Kevin, because he helped me this morning. Thank you, Kevin. <laughs> Super straight chairs. Love that. But can you see the thing? You know, we've got new people in church today. Everyone's clapping. And someone who's been here for 10 years said, you're not clapping me anymore, are you? I've got my red T-shirt on for crying out loud. Yeah, because someone's coming home. We celebrate that. You've always been here and everything we have is yours and we do it together. It's home. But the deciding factor in any of that thought process isn't the work, isn't the new people, it's the connection with the Father. When you connect with the Father, church becomes home. We become family. And I think we need to wrestle it through church. You know, when you ask someone who's not in church what church is, they'll probably talk about buildings and things like that, or religion, or whatever. But isn't the church God's family? It's us. We are the church. They took the building away. The church still exists because you're alive. But when we become a family, when you get the text every week saying, I've been thinking of you, how are you doing? Oh, I'm having a difficult time. Well, I'm praying for you. Do you want a coffee? We're doing family. But when you say, do you know what, I've heard your, your team's short this week, I'll come in and straighten your chairs for you. I'm going to have a whole bunch of people straightening chairs this week, aren't I? I can feel it coming on. But the reason we do that is because this is home. And my father loves it because we're taking care of his home. The reality is that when you connect with the heart of the father, you step into this arena that changes everything. He is committed to building you up. He is committed to providing for you. He is committed to healing your hurts. He is committed to setting you up to win. Jesus said, I came for the fullest life. He's committed to that. So when you go to your father and say, I'm in this position, the father's heart comes to you and he shifts it. If Josh or Evie came to me as their father and said, Dad, I'm struggling and I'm able to fix it, I'm going to fix it. So the question is this. If I go to my heavenly father and say, I'm struggling, is he able to fix it? Hello? So I have this father relationship with him, which means this is home. You are family. It changes everything. I don't have, my life has its downs the same as anyone else's. But in that dip, I don't panic like the world panics. I just go, Dad, I need you right now. I'm in a hole. And I guarantee you, everything shifts in that moment. Sometimes it's a few steps. It's a bit of a journey. But I always live in hope because my dad's on the case. And I love him. And he loves me. I have that connection. You see, I don't come to church out of some religious compulsion or because it's the right thing to do. I, I, don't come, I come to church because I get to connect with my father and I get to connect with my family. See, I, I come to church because this is home and I'm accepted and loved here. I come to church because I'm challenged to love deeper here. I come to church because I get to praise him and lift my hands up and say thank you. And I can do it in a crowd and I love it. I come to church because I know that my father loves people. And it's always been his plan to love people through the church. You know, I might be able to care for 10 people in my life, but we can care for thousands. And so when we show the father's heart together for people, that's how God wants to see his church. It interests me, and many of you might study this kind of stuff, but the NHS, founded by the church. Schools, founded by the church. 
even today, so many great charity projects, justice and care projects stem from the church. Why is that? Because the church is demonstrating the Father's heart. It's always been that. And so, church, let's be people who get together and connect with our Father, allow him to deal with our issues that we're going through, and from that basis, stretch out and love the community and say, come home. You're going to love it when you connect with my Father. It shifts everything. It's not a religious thing. It's not a compulsion. It's not just because it's the right thing to do. It's because it's real and it will change your world. And we get to do that together. Genesis 12, verses 2 and 3 says this. The blessings of Abraham, I'll, ble- I'll make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I'll make your name great and you will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now this is speaking of Israel, but don't we know that the church is grafted into Israel, so we come into this blessing. So when we, when we start doing church, we can understand we walk in that. I'm going to bless you and I'm going to use you to bless others. Well, that's a great reason to be in church. That's a great reason to be connected with the Father because he wants to bless you and he wants to use you to bless others. When you talk about sounds coming out of your world, wouldn't a great sound be that everywhere that person goes, they bless someone, they make someone feel better, they provide for someone, they care for someone. What a great sound to be coming out of your life. It's right there. I will bless people through you. So I love church. John 14 verse 2, this is Jesus speaking, says this. My father's house has many rooms. If they were not so, uh, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? Uh, And I love this. You know, we're talking about God's house. There's room here for you. You belong. Uh, The great thing about us being a a freestanding church in many ways is that if you come to me and say, Barry, I've got this heart, I've got this gift, I, I want to express it, we'll create space for that. Jesus says, there's a space for you. I'm creating a room for you. We can do great stuff together. We are not boxed in by anything. But the bigger picture is that Jesus is going to heaven to create a space for you. And I don't know what heaven looks like to you, but I know that Jesus knows what heaven looks like to you. So it's not going to be boring. It's going to be amazing. When you get there, you're going to go, oh, he knew me to a T. He smashed it. And my room might look different to your room. But our rooms are going to be awesome. Because Jesus says, I'm going there because it's home for you. There's a place for you. What we're doing here on earth is a small precursor for that. We're creating a space for people to call home. We're creating a place for people to connect with the Father's heart. And it's just a small shadow for what's coming, that one day we will be in the Father's house. And there's a room for you in it. And it's going to be epic. And I want to be someone who starts living like that now. Not just hoping one day to get there, but to live there now. And we can do that together. But the key in all of this is can you connect with the Father's heart? Would you turn up the volume with this dad thing? The very last thing the Old Testament tells us is this. It's the last thing to come out of the Old Testament. And I think it's so important. Malachi 4.6. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers lest I come and strike earth with a curse. You know, oh, what kind of time are we living in? We know there are father issues. We know, you will know, if you haven't yourself, you will know lots of people who have disconnection from their father. And it's messing their life up. It's like being cursed. And yet the last thing the Old Testament says is, I'm sending someone to declare heaven on earth, and it's going to turn the hearts of the fathers back to their children and vice versa. This relationship is key. 
And then you go into the New Testament. And I know it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but they're all the Gospels. So let we look at Luke. In the first chapter of Luke, verse 117, says this. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. You see, there's this theme at the end of the Old Testament. It's saying, children and dads, look to each other. And at the beginning of the New Testament, it says, I'm preparing. Someone's coming to prepare the way for Jesus, and we need to turn the hearts of the children back to their fathers again. There's a clear message coming that we need to grab. It's life-changing. And if you can nail that on earth, it makes it so much easier to nail it with heaven because your filter shifts. And if you can't, my father will step in and help you do that because he wants to connect with his kids how cool is it that we get to be God's kids? You know, it's like if someone picks on Josh or Evie, Dad's coming. If someone picks on me, Dad's coming. And I can live in security because of that, because I'm God's kid, and this is my home, and you're my family, and we get to do this thing together. I just wonder whether we shouldn't be having a little wrestle ourselves now, asking ourselves some questions. Has my fatherhood affected me? Has my relationship with my dad done something on my thinking? Is it holding me back? Has it created a weird filter in me? You know, we don't want to get into some weird you know, navel staring. But by the same token, this is real. Every one of you will have something. And I just know that my father in heaven wants to step into situations and clear the deck to say, come on, let's go and flourish now. Let's go and run this life together in freedom. Maybe someone needs to forgive someone and let it go. Maybe someone needs to say sorry. Maybe someone just needs to settle it in their heart. I can't change it. It is what it is, but I'm moving on now. And it's settled in me. I don't know what your situation will be, but I know Father's here to help you. Could we get past our circumstances and feelings? Could we see God for who he really is? And it's demonstrated in the prodigal son. You know, the one that was there, he says, but everything I have is yours. And that's still true. Father's saying, everything I have is yours. And the one who went away and said, oh, I'm so sorry, messed about, he don't care. He's just glad you're back. So many people have been looking at what are the barriers to church. And one of the barriers potentially to church is that people don't feel good enough to come here, which is absolutely laughable because I'm the pastor for a start. And it's like, come on. God does not care what you've done. He's just happy you're here. The trouble is we care what we've done. But when we connect with the Father... It's like, don't worry about that. I'll put a robe on your back, a ring on your finger, food on the table, sandals on your feet because you're my son, because you're my daughter, and I love you. I wonder whether we could find the time and space and energy in our world to seek him out. You know, there's a good series of books and films, wasn't they, called God Chasers? And ultimately, we all know that when you give some time and energy to chasing down Father, good stuff happens. But the reality is, just like Josh and his Xbox and his drumming, we feel drawn not to do that. And it's like, why do I do the things I don't want to do? What? Come on. At some point, we need to wake up in the morning and go, today is the day the Lord made. I'm going to make use of it. So I'm going to chase him down. I'm going to give him that time. I'm going to do what I know is right, and I will connect with the Father's heart. And as I connect with the Father's heart, I find home. And as I find home, I find family and friendships. And who knows, when you find yourself in a hole, you can look around at the family and someone will be able to help you. Someone will stand with you. 
life is just better. And we stand in a time when we've called it the fatherless generation for all kinds of reasons. But how about we've all got a father and he's a good one. You may well have been let down in your time, I don't know. But my father in heaven will never let you down. I guess I came here as a voice to pull on your heart and say connect with him again because good stuff will happen I wonder if you'd let me pray for you can we just stand up I'm just going to invite you to close your eyes if you're willing you don't have to but it just gives you a moment and everyone around you a moment You know, we're just going to pray some prayers right now. But if you're someone who feels like this kind of thought process has stirred up some issues in you, we've got people who will be prepared to give you some time. So share it with someone. Come and speak to us. Let us help you. I just know there's a bunch of people here who are carrying hurts from the way they father treated them whatever that might have looked like for you and the trouble is with that if you carry it forever you can choose to keep going and keep going and keep going but it'll always linger there but another way to handle it is to come before God and say I need you now and let's just see if our heavenly father won't step in and deal with that on your behalf so if you're someone today who said, yeah, that's me. I've, I've been wrestling for a long time now. Just give me a wave because I'm going to pray with you. Bless you, Lord. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Lots of people. Thank you. you can put your hands down. A lot of this stuff's private. And maybe you feel that but didn't put your hand up. But that's cool. God knows your heart. Jesus. Lord, I thank you for the bravery of those people who said, yeah, that's me. Lord, I pray even in this quiet moment, Lord God, that you'd reconnect with these people and lavish them with the Father's love. The Father that says, you're welcome here. The Father that says, I'm cheering you on. The Father says that I'm going to protect you and provide for you. The Father that says, I'm going to help you forward in life and it's going to be a good life. For those of you carrying hurts right now, just with the authority God gives me, I just break the power of that hurt in your life right now in Jesus' name. Be free of it. Be free of it. Make a new choice today to stop looking back at it. Be free of it. And give your full attention to the Father's heart in heaven because he loves you. I'm not going to get you to respond to this one but I just want to pray for some of the dads out there who maybe have regrets and feel like I could have done something differently I could have done something better and it's probably not even because you didn't love your children it's because you didn't know how to love your children it's so common so if that's you I'm just going to pray for you and you can receive that Father God I just lift up all the men to you who carry regrets thank you Lord God that there's always restoration in you and I just pray that any relationship that's been broken, that you would begin to repair even now, Lord God. Change minds and change hearts. Let forgiveness flow, I pray, Jesus. 
But I pray for these men that from this moment they'd stop beating themselves up and they'd reconnect with you. And it'd be their first step to freedom. Thank you for them, Jesus. I just want to give opportunity for anyone who either wants to connect for the first time or wants to reconnect with Father. Maybe you've always believed in Jesus, maybe you haven't, but maybe today's the day where you say, I want to properly connect with you, Father. I want to have that heart to heart with you. I want to stop treating this place like a house and treat it like a home. I want to know that I'm your child. If that's you and you want to go to that depth, just give me a wave. We're going to pray. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you there. Bless you there. Thank you, Jesus. Lord. I'm going to pray a line. Let's all pray it together. These are good moments for people. Father God, thank you for loving me as a father. I accept your love and invite you into my heart in a deep way. Lead me forward and let me succeed in all my dreams because you're my dad and I love you. And all those people said, Amen.